welcome to Am Writing Fantasy. Together with Autumn, I run this uh, the Am Writing Fantasy website where we share blog posts and uh, there is these YouTube videos, there is uh, podcast episodes of these videos as well. So if you're listening on podcast right now, welcome. Uh, but today we are going to talk, uh, or I'm going to talk with Chet about editing, which I thought was quite interesting because actually we haven't had any uh, real videos or episodes around editing before. So, so this was an excellent topic to get into today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on I'm Writing Fantasy Chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Maybe you want to share a bit about yourself and, and what you're up to. Yeah, uh, my name is Chet Sandberg. Um, I am a uh, fantasy writer, uh, as yet unpublished, probably because I'm an editor, so I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> hard on myself. <laughs> uh, I'm a line and style editor, which is kind of in between a copy editor. You know, proofer is, is getting the typos, getting the punctuation right. Copy editing is doing a lot of that. It's also making sure everything's grammatically correct. I'm a line and style editor. So what I do is I am not going to just make sure that your dialogue is grammatically correct, I'm going to make it sound like something somebody might actually say. So I'm going to do things like if, you, if you've got two people in a conversation and they're using one another's names a lot, we don't do that. We rely on context to do that. So I mean, we don't need to completely sound like real human beings, but I would take out some of those things that are more artificial or would, or, or would sound uh, unnatural. Or I would take out or point out um, dialogue that is only there as a storytelling technique. Uh, you know, as, as you well know, magic works like this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so instead of having it, you know, instead of technically having it as exposition, you have it as dialogue, but you really don't. Uh, so stuff like that. Um, uh, my first major client was a journalist uh, background. And so he gets a little tingle of excitement when I cut his five words down to two. So I focus a lot on concision, um, you know, if you're going to say uh, top, I'll say atop. If you're going to say in front of, I'll say before. You know, a lot of stuff like that, right? I tend to cut things down. I also tend to, um, uh, well, there are a couple of things. You know, I've got like a, a, a Google Doc that I uh, usually try to give out to people with their either prospective clients or uh, I don't really have to do with my main client because he, he understands everything when I'm, when I'm cutting stuff. Um, <clears throat> there are some things, very. You know, if you find a lot of the word very in your prose, replace that word with what it is. So if you, instead of saying very fast, you can say, you know, ran. Walked very fast is ran or rushed or hurried or whatever mm -hmm. it is. It gives mm -hmm. more of a flavor. It's more unique. Um, I tend to really um, stomp all over the use of the past continuous, which is, I don't know if it's completely unique to uh, English. But I know beginning English writers love to do this, and it makes total sense. I do it all the time and have to cut it out. And the reason you do it is because you're describing the scene in your head as it's happening. So you say, he was standing by the door. She was talking. But every time you do that, you have a was and an ing around a unique verb. When it's much, much, has much more bite if you give all of your verbs uh, their own unique flavor in, in, in a reader's mind and in their mouth if they're reading it out loud. So instead of saying, he was standing, you say, he stood. It happened in the past tense. Like I said, the reason you do it while you're seeing it in your head is because you're literally seeing it as it happens. For the same reason, um, began or started to ends up in a lot of people's prose, uh, especially beginners, um, where you'll say he began to. You never, you only write began for uh, activities that don't complete. Because at that point, you have to tell them that something began. He began to say, but was cut off, that kind of thing. If he completes it, you can just say it, he or she. 
if the character completes it, you can just say the simple past tense. They they did the thing, right? You can say, you know, instead of saying, well, he began to stumble, he stutter, he began to stutter. You can just say he stuttered. Okay. Um, and the reason you do that is because um, in small works, these things don't really uh, cause that many problems. But over the course of a long in fantasy novels, let's face it, we write a lot of long <laughs> we do. works. You really want you really want unique. You really want concision. You really want to get rid of those things that can be repetitive. Uh, another thing that I try to work on is something called neutering the verb. Make a plan is planned. Make is a general all-purpose verb that can apply to a whole bunch of things. Planned is a very specific word. But when you when you say make a plan, you've made the focus of the verb a very generic verb, and then you made the plan, which you actually did, you've made it a noun. Make mm. a plan. Mm. Uh, manage. If you write manage, I will write you snarky notes in the comments about, uh, you know, like a Denny's, what are you talking about? You know, manage to, manage to, manage to, manage to. These are things that I see a lot of times too where I just, just cut that out. Um, here's a big one. Um, could. Could. He could. Something, something, something. Well, anything could happen. Tell us what actually did happen. And the reason people do this is I think sometimes they're trying to tell us through the POV uh, character that they're unsure about something. And occasionally that works. The main thing that I look for when I see could, though, is that people are putting in filtering. And this is runs off something I just was watching with Autumn's thing. Get the senses involved. Mm -hmm. Get all the senses involved. I tend to underdescribe on my first draft and then have to go in and really describe. Um, or sometimes there's two things I like uh, I want to talk about here. One is something I'm still trying to learn how to do really well. Can't really always add it in as a line and style editor. But something I like to use is if you've ever read The Magicians, he does a lot of things that drive me up a tree. But I, Lev Grossman writes his description from his character point of view in such a way that he never really has to tell you directly how his characters feel because you can get so much about what his character's mind state is by how he describes things. It's amazing. It's like magic powers. I'm like, wow. If, if, if you want to, I'm sure there are a ton of authors that do that. But the first one that I really noticed it on uh, was Lev Grossman with the magicians. And like I said, you know, there's a lot of stuff. He does pass continuous up the wazoo. He filters a little bit. And now I want to switch over into filtering. Filtering is when, and I want to do this specifically because of something Autumn said where you're talking about using senses. I love using senses. You really want to ground people in the scene, and you need to do it with more than just the eyes. Uh, it's the one really great thing. People say the book was better than the movie. Part of what they're saying is, in a novel, like with Lev Grossman, of course, you can you can use a description to tell something about the character, who the character is, what, what they're going through. But the other thing is, you have all of these other aspects, internal monologues and thoughts. Uh, you know, you might have an internal argument with yourself. You might have... You, you know, uh, you might notice a smell that has a significance. You might notice a, a sound or, or something might spring to the foreground that you can't always do very well with cinematography. And, but with that, uh, that uh, cinematography never has to deal with is that try not to filter the sensations through your character. Every time you do that, you are reminding the reader that they aren't the character and it pulls people out of immersion. Now, for some things, you're going to want to do that. Uh, very occasionally, if you're writing something very disturbing, you're going to want to pull people out of it. But instead of saying something like, she heard a shot from across the room, okay? You don't have to tell her that, she, tell us that she heard it. We're in her POV. You can simply present it. You can say a shot rang out across, from across the, from the other side of the room, okay? Tell us the location. Tell us what happened. But you don't have to remind us that we aren't there experiencing. When you say a sh something simply happened, 
you know, um, um, the moon rose, uh, uh, the, the moon rose over the horizon or, or dipped down or whatever, the sun rose uh, from the horizon. Instead of saying he saw the sunrise, you know what I mean? We know he saw it because we're describing it. We're in their third, close to the point of view. Mm-hmm. So as much as you can, if you can get rid of filtering, um, you know, instead of saying she felt sweat run down, you know, that's like, you can say, you know, a drip of sweat, uh, you know, you, you can go to a lot more specificity, but you can just say it happened. And the, and, and the reader will automatically insert themselves into the POV uh, character's point of view. So filtering is a big one um, yeah. that I try to and, yeah. and, and, and I think especially when, when it's sort of with the sweat there, you know, if you, you can sort of get into what it feels like on the skin and stuff like that, because yeah. then, then it works, right? Uh, rather, yeah, and exactly. I, was, I was flying back from, um, I had a business trip to Cairo last week and I was flying back and then on the airplane, somebody was sitting next to me reading a book and they just sort of peeked over in it. Uh, and it was quite interesting because it had, uh, it's not really filtering, but it's more like, uh, I don't know if you have a more correct editor word for it, but you know, it, it was summarizing a lot. So every page there was more like, okay, and then in the morning, this and this happened. And then That's there was a bit of dialogue. Yeah. And then Telling later in the day, blah, 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 something happened. It was just like, I was looking at it and like, that, that's so boring. You know, you just, I don't feel connected to what's happening at all. This is just a summary of whatever happened that day. That, that's just. <laughs> and that's what goes into telling versus showing. Okay. You have to show people. And, and one of the best tools for that, boy, I don't think I have it with me because I think I have it back where I do most of my writing, which is, is, is an ingredient one there. But it's the emotion thesaurus. Uh, for English writing, uh, especially, it's it's amazing. Um, you don't have to t- trust your reader. You don't always have to tell them that somebody said or is feeling something. You can show it. You know, mm. you can f- have them fidget if they're nervous. You can uh, point out uh, showing versus telling is something people always talk about, and nobody really. I hate these little snippets, you know, the adverbs things, because you need to know the why. If you don't know the why, you can follow the rules, but it's like being blind and carrying a lamp. You know, it's an old Zen story. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Zen Buddhist. So there's an old Zen story that says, you know, there's a blind man, and somebody says, you should carry a lamp around. He says, why do I need a lamp? I'm blind. I won't be able to see anyway. He says, you know, but you should carry a lamp because other people can see you. So he's walking around, and um, he, somebody slams into him. He gets upset. He's like, didn't you see my lamp? He says, he said, you, you crazy old man. He says, your lamp has gone out. And if you don't know the, he didn't know because he's blind. So yeah. that's the thing. You don't know the why. So the reason for adverbs, you know, Stephen King has said the road is uh, to hell is paved with adverbs. And the reason he says this isn't because adverbs are always wrong. Good luck trying to, you know, don't spend three sentences explaining what uh, doing something gingerly looks like when you have gingerly. Gingerly is just easier to get there. We, we get there faster. Where you really don't want it is in dialogue tags. You don't want it in dialogue tags. And the reason you don't want it in dialogue tags is one of two things is happening. Either it's in the dialogue, but you don't trust that it's in the dialogue. Okay. Um, in which case, trust it's in the dialogue. Or it's not in the dialogue and you think that you can tack it on by having an adverb. And, and I pull back on this for purely mechanical adverbs. So, you know, if, if you want to say said slowly, okay that might be the more preferable thing to say than sl- than growled or because s- sometimes those those unique um dialogue tags uh distract more than anything else it said is yeah. invisible 
Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I was just about to say because because you can also overdo that stuff. You know, it can be like it's it's almost a tour reading it because there's so many tags all the time and mm-hmm. it's just like what the hell these emotional people all the time. You know, sometimes it's just better to just chuck in as she said and then move on. As an experiment, remove yeah. all your tags. Remove all your tags when you're doing editing. Do it in substitution mode and just remove all your tags and then put back the ones that you actually need. Because you'll you'll find, especially if you get further into a, a work, your characters will know the tone of voice of you writing your characters really well. See, part of what uh, I'm I'm kind of a slower writer compared to a lot of people. And the reason is a I I don't do as much telling and I do a lot more showing. But the other thing is I really enter the eyes and and enter the experience of my characters. And so when you do that, they speak like different people. Um, so yeah, definitely stripping out tags. So what I look for is I look for could. Could, I always like could, because could, if you look for could, first of all, it's, 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 uh, you're really, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're equivocating when you don't need to. But the other thing is that almost always is involved with the filter word. Almost always it's could see, could hear, could whatever. Could remember, you know. Uh, and so it's a very good hint to look for uh, an equivocating filter filter in general. I also hate things like a little, a bit, and a little bit. Mm-hmm. In small, short works, they don't matter so much, but oh my god, if you're writing a long work, you know, and you're writing chapters that are, some people, I write short chapters, people write long chapters, 2,500, if you have a bit, a little, a little bit in, you know, 16, 17, 18, 25 times, you know, imagine how repetitive that gets, and it adds nothing. It doesn't tell us, it's not specific enough to really give us anything. You know what I mean? It's 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 there as as uh, a repetitive flavor that you really don't need. Um, yeah, yeah out- exactly. I was just about to say instead of a little or a bit or whatever, if you just say it is as small as uh, what do I know? Uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, but but then, but, but then you're showing what it is as small as instead of just saying a little, which is yes. sort of it doesn't really say anything. A little compared to what? Yeah, it's exactly. It's completely. It's and the same thing about slightly. I don't like slightly. You you can use it sometimes, but people over. These are things that people overuse. Slightly, it's the same idea. Here's one that one of my critique partners early on really keyed me into, that is amazing and has always helped me. And that is, this follows a rule that I'm going to go into a little bit right after this. But look, if you look for these, if you search for these terms, turn or turned, look or looked, and. What it is is that almost always we assume if somebody's speaking to somebody, they're looking at them. Um, uh, You know, um, you don't have to tell us every action that leads to the, when it's implied in the next, in in the final action. So like you can say, sometimes you want to, if you're, it's like I say, if if it's the very first time you're describing your mage, preparing a spell, you might want to go into great detail about what that looks like. Okay. But if it's something like paying the, the waiter, you don't have to say he reached into his pocket, pulled out his wallet, then pulled out his card, then handed it to the waiter, then signed it when it came back and it went to the thing. He paid the waiter. You know what I mean? We don't care enough. We need to know that things have concluded. We don't need to know every little piece of detail. You don't have to say he lifted his left leg, then his right in, in, in sequence until he ended up arriving at Heather's house. You can just say he yeah. died. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah. So, um, this is all things that usually end up in the second draft where you have to go back in and say, okay, how much of this? It's the same thing, and this is more of developmental stuff and style stuff, but I like to do time jumps. I like to jump to what is important. I don't, I'm not a Tolkien-esque 
uh, I mean, I love him. He is my one of my first fans. But I don't. And just like uh, George R. R. Martin, you know, I don't need pages and pages of banners and bannermen. Stuff that it literally, I'm I'm already forgetting the first part of this, like a math problem, a complex math problem, where I'm already forgetting the first part of what you said. By the time we get to the third part of what you said, literally none of this information is in my head anymore. I have spaced out halfway through. Mm. So so I tend to like to do uh, time jumps, but uh, you know what I'm trying to work on is that about one in five people, um, I end up just losing somebody. They they don't make the jump with me. So I've learned how to like put a little summary at the very beginning saying. It was a day later, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That- yeah that, well, I think the description part, that, that, that's obviously a, a very big matter of taste. I mean, some people really love to have a more description, which is fine, as long as the stuff that you're describing is something that is, is relevant. Because also from a character point of view, a character wouldn't start uh, to explain to... I mean, if you... If you go to visit visit one of your friends now, you're not going to start explaining the friend that how you opened the car door and you put in the key into the ignition and then I turned on the car by turning to the right. You know, you, you don't do that. You just say I took the car to get here because because yep. we all know what it means. Yes. And, and, and even even in a fantasy setting, two characters talk to, talking to each other who might know what this means, but the reader might not exactly meet, know what it means. You, you can't find a clever way to, to give that information because the characters won't start telling each other about it because they both know how it works. Expository dialogue, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm saying. And, and that was something I was talking about earlier. But what I really like to do there is just, just especially it happens in RPG, you know, there are terms that you can have there. People are like, we need to explain this. No, you can get it from context. Of j- uh, one or two more paragraphs and you'll get it from context. Or right. I'm doing something right. wrong. Right. Or I'm doing something wrong. But, but you can't just shortcut to... Well, magic is your blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, a word that you can oftentimes get, almost is another word that I like to get rid of. Almost. You know, it was almost as if, it was as if. Mm-hmm. Almost yeah. doesn't add anything again. Um, that, the word that, there are so many places where you just do a search for that. And every time you see it, ask if you really need it. Very, very rarely do you actually need the word that. Um, of course, if you're going to say, of course, it's not dialogue. There's no point in mentioning it. It is, of course. It, is, it should already be evident. If it isn't, then it isn't, of course, and you shouldn't write that. Yeah, true. <laughs> decided is another filter, but it's one that people, a lot of people, well, they decided to do this. You know how we know they decided it? They did it. Yeah, exactly. Now, you can have them grapple with the question. You know, man, would he have gone left? You know, if he was going here, he might have gone, you know, he might have done this, and then he went left. Well, you know he decided to go left because he did it. You don't have to tell us that he decided to do it because you're showing us to him. Um, we talked about filter. We talked about actions assumed by later actions. Okay, this is a big one that I'm really working on, and that is dialogue tags versus action tags. Now, some people really prefer, if you read, um, oh, was it Patterson? And I know he doesn't write his own stuff anymore. I was reading a, it was a, a thriller novel, and there was literally not a single dialogue tag, and it was all action. Now, if you do too much of that, it's going to sound like you're doing a screenplay about meth heads, okay? Because everybody's jittery as all get out, and they're, then they're just stumbling around. But what you really don't want to do is something like, and what I wrote here is, um, you know, the rule is either dialogue or action, but not both. So I would say this. Don't forget the sauce, Jerry said, looking me straight in the eye to make sure I knew how important it was. But what would work better is to say, don't forget the sauce, period. Not a comma. Jerry looked me straight in the eye to make sure I knew how important it was. You don't have to tell us that he said it if he is literally doing an action right after it. The way we do this in paragraphs is, you know, the dialogue and the actor are in the same paragraph. If you have a new actor, you put them in a new paragraph, typically. So get rid of the dialogue take if you have action, you know. Um, 
Yeah, and, and, and I also quite like to do that on purpose in the way that uh, I, I put in a bit of action here and there just to get rid of ha not having to say this person said and that person said, because it also gets a bit jarring to keep reading who said what, whereas it's nice to have it breaking up sometimes with somebody, he, uh, he slammed the door and then he said, uh, uh, you know, and, and then you can add what he said. So yes. basically he slammed, the, he slammed the door, full stop, and then there is the, t uh, the, the dialogue piece there, right? I mean, then it also shows the emotion and he, apparently he's angry about something. So you and then you you don't even have to explain that and start saying he looked at her angrily or whatever you know exactly exactly there's so much you can put in the context of action that's why I really love the emotion thesaurus for that um, something else you got to remember is like even the way we're talking right we're trying to be very respectful of one another but we interrupt each other yeah <laughs> and people talk that way you, when you when you write dialogue don't write dialogue thinking they have the luxury of going on a on a, a ten sentence monologue. Right? I'm going to say what I'm going to say as concisely as possible because I'm afraid you might interrupt me at any second. Okay? Mm -hmm. The other thing is, um, got, oh, uh, dialogue preamble. Yes. Yes, comma, blah, 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 blah. If you ask me a question, you, I don't have to say yes. I can just give you the answer. The only time you're really going to say yes a lot, you might do it occasionally, but, but, but is if you're slowing down because you're trying to think of what to say next or if that's all you want to say. Were you here? Yes. But, I don't, but what's not said there is the important part of that dialogue. Yes. And then you should show an action saying he's shows that he's reluctant to keep going. Uh, otherwise, you can just get rid of the yes, and you can just have the actual answer, you know? Yeah. Um, I told you about adverbs and the dialogue tags. Boy, I tell you, that's, that one is one that I had to go. I had to go on a hunt through my own stuff. You know, it's really funny. Like, sometimes you um, – there are other things that are more developmental and I'm still, I'm still trying to learn them. So I'm not, I'm not really that great as a developmental editor for, for all the genres. I don't like prologues. Uh, if you are going to have a prologue for the love of God, please let it be the main character or at least introduce the main character somewhere in the prologue. Okay. Yeah. And, and it cannot be an intro dump. It, it, there has to be some relevant action taking place in a prologue. Uh, just sort of yeah. like if you have, I mean, uh, there are situations where I do think that a prologue is, is beneficial to have, but it has to be written in a way that is engaging and not sort of, here's a history dump of stuff that happened 2,000 years ago that maybe would be nice for you, dear reader, to know. Uh, I mean, well, fine, but couldn't you just tell me when it becomes relevant in the, re in the chapter then? It's the same thing with POV jumps. Don't make, don't, you know, you can do this with romance, but he said, she said romance. Yeah. As long as you establish pattern early. His point of view, her point of view, his point of view, her point of view. You can do that. But if you're writing, so imagine you're writing a fantasy novel with multiple points of view. You write a prologue connected to nothing. <laughs> yeah, then, you write, then you write the main character for a chapter. Then you skip to another chapter. You've now got me about five to ten, five going on 10,000 words into your book and you've made me start it three times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's three times you have to get me so involved that I will not put the book down. Good luck as a new yeah. writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Because what we all do as new writers, I'm sure you did this on yours, I do this on mine. My God, it took me 15 chapters to get to the inciting incident. No, yeah. the short chapters, thanks, sweet baby Jesus, the short, the short chapters. Mm -hmm. But, but it, you know, you don't want to take that long. Now, on the other hand, I don't really like books that start with action uh, with characters I don't know or care about yet either. So it's a fine line. Um, but just oh. think, almost every First novel writer I, I've ever seen that does fantasy or sci-fi starts with a prologue. And I would say 80 to 85% of the time, it's either the wrong prologue or it shouldn't be there at all. Mm. 
that you can you can you can fill us in as we go. We can learn a lot from context. I'm still trying to learn how to write very compelling openers, and I'm getting better with every new work that I start. But um, yeah, and I, and I think we we should probably also point out, you know, that it, because the opening of a novel is the one of the hardest things to write. Uh, uh, it, it is, uh, well, it, okay, fair enough, every part of the novel is difficult, the middle is also difficult because you need to keep the attention where sometimes in the middle it sort of gets a bit boring and it just mm -hmm. sort of drags out because we want, the, we, we want to get to the end that is exciting again, but, but, but there is so much um, tied up in the beginning, there is so much you need to achieve with the beginning to hook readers in that it, it is very, very difficult to write it's and it takes a lot of, of uh, let's say, uh, trial and error, uh, and even when you've written several, several books, you, you, there's still a lot to learn to, to do a better intro. So it's it's not easy stuff, but that's also why you you work with an editor to help you. It's hard, and I'm I'm not a developmental editor. I am not always now. There's some people I've helped and I've worked with where I've said you can cut all of these paragraphs away and start with them at the bureaucrat getting getting their benefits denied. Mm. That's really where the story starts. That's where we have a character during the jam. I don't need to know how we got into this jam yet. You can let me know as we go, okay, if it's just background stuff. You know, I don't need to know the political structure. I should learn that through interacting with the bureaucrat, interacting with the streets, interacting with the people on them. All of these things, so much things that are in cinematography. You know, people, it's so funny. You know, you look at something like Star Wars or the Marvel movies or something. So much is, is and you don't have this when you're writing. But you see it when you look at good movies, and that's so. You think about Star Wars. Remember, um, all of those machines were beaten up and dirty and messed up, right? So much is told to you about the world that you, unconsciously you don't even know you're you're getting it. This, that you don't get with with writing. So you really have to learn how to give enough description. The other thing too is that um, this is something I see a lot too. Sometimes people go into extreme specificity about their about their um, description. Yeah. And the problem with that is. I get lost and then I get anxious that I'm not visualizing it correctly. Every single time they come up now, I'm like, Am I, is that, did I get that jacket right? And they switch, they, they change. Give me some highlights and some things I can remember. And you know what? You're just going to have to live with it if the jacket that I conjure in my head differs from yours as, as if you really want me to know exactly what it, you should go into writing, you should go into, into uh, making movies and doing cinematography and all that kind of stuff, because then you can really, really guide. But, but give me some highlights, and then, and then from that point on, you know, it's really, it's really my, it's going to be my story now at this point. You're, you're using telepathy. You're showing me important things, but, you know, if you go into the exact physical details of a situation, you're going to lose me. Um, you're going to write acres, acres of words you don't need to write. And the other thing is, too, like, if you're a reader like me, I start to get anxious about whether I actually know if I've got it right in my head. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's something a lot of times people don't think about. Yeah, indeed. I, I still have, uh, well, at least uh, one paragraph uh, I remember in, in the, my first book that it, it's still, it's in the published version, uh, however it got through all the editing, I don't know, but I, but it, that one still pains me. It's like every time that there is a place, I can't remember the exact uh, details of it, but I'm explaining that it's a very dark place and, mm -hmm. and it just goes way too much into the specifics specifics of how dark it is instead of just take <laughs> dark and move on but you know it happens to all of us it, 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 it's a learning process <laughs> yeah no it's so that's funny that you say that you know i got dinged really hard on a critique uh uh person because i actually wrote 
sensed via touch. <laughs> that's a phrase. And it's, that's a ridiculous phrase. Like, you know, felt. That's what that was. Felt. Yeah, 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 yeah. via touch. And, and, and my critiquer, you know, Ryan, he says, he says, he says, I sensed via reading that maybe you got a little lost. In the <laughs> it was so hilarious, you know, and you gotta, you just gotta laugh because there's stuff where you're going to be like, you know, and then of course, you know, there's the obvious stuff that I catch that, that copy editors will catch too, which is the repetition of a word three times in two sentences, mm-hmm. you know, starting, you know, stuff that pro writer aid is great for is, are you starting three sentences or four sentences in a row with the exact same pronoun or right. proper noun or word in general, you know, um, right. Right. indeed. Yeah, don't ever write very unique. There's no such thing. Unique is not a scale. Unique means one of a kind. Unique. You're not very unique. You're not pretty unique. Unique means there is one of these items. Mm. There's one of these things. Mm. It's distinct. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, I think, I mean, with all of that, it is so good to, you know, get some editor's perspective on writing and, and sort of what are what are the things that you one should be careful about. Uh, but I also sort of want to s- tell everybody who's watching and listening here that when you are doing your first draft, don't worry about all of this, you know, just get the story out, get it onto the page, and then in the later drafts, you, you can revision all of this together with the help of the editor. So don't, don't sit yep. there and sort of agonize over, am I not doing this or am I not doing this? Is this right or is this wrong? At the first draft stage, it doesn't matter. Just get the story oh. out. However choppy it's going to be, it doesn't matter. Just get it out. So, yep. so that's one thing I would say. Don't don't worry about it at, at that point and, and, and just move on. Because otherwise, yeah, this is all you, stuff that you go into after the fact. After yeah, because, the because you're going to get stuck in editing mode. And, and then you're going to go over the same chapter again and again and again. And at some point, the, the amendments or corrections you're making is probably going to move the needle like uh, one, less than 1%. So it... Maybe yeah. there was one reader out of a million who would appreciate the the edit you just did, but the the nine nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine other readers don't give a crap. They won't even get <laughs> notice. They yeah. won't even know. Um, you, you know the guy that the, the the main author that I that I started editing with, the journalist. Um, he said he spent an extra year and a half on his first novel and probably only improved it by about five percent. Right. Right. Yeah, so it's important to everybody who, who gets into writing, especially when you're starting out, you know, the, the thing with, with the writing, as I've said over and over and over again, it, 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 it improves your training. And, and the only way you can improve it is by writing more. So if you, if you get stuck up on, on the first three chapters and editing it 200 million times, you know, you're not going to get any better. You're just going to sit there with the same stuff over and over. So, so just keep writing. Uh, keep producing work and, and then work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Work with the editors. And I, I would never, I mean, obviously I'm not native English speaker either, so I would never ever put out a book uh, that I hadn't gone through an editor because I, I make grammar mistakes all the time because I, mm-hmm. this is not my mother tongue. But, well, not uh, only that, but you don't have the unique specificity. You know, sometimes you can tell when somebody has looked at the thesaurus for synonyms, right. but they don't realize that every synonym is, a, is contextually dependent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, technically, on a broad sense, these two words are synonyms, but you would never, in a minute, people would look at you like you were crazy to use this word in place of another yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can't get, I mean, if I tried to learn, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Danish, you know, I mean, I've tried to learn Swedish. It's hard as, it's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because I'm of Swedish descent, you know, my back. Vinterigen is, is Swedish for winterized. Right. Um, um, and I'm probably pronouncing it badly, I'm sorry. 
Um, <laughs> it's Vintry Rigan, Eldegon, and Dudzgon. And I probably really screwed it up, but it just, Winter Eyes looked just way too like, I should have pictures of wolves in the background, kind of looking at the moon, kind of. It's very 80s, cheesy wolf sweat, you know what I mean? But at the same time, that really is, you know, the heart of, of a cold place, you know what I mean? Right. And then the second one is a lot of passion, so it's Eldegon. Um, or Eldug, I, I'm screwed it up, I know him. Um, <laughs> but maybe, maybe uh, sort of uh, in, in wrapping up here, I'm thinking, if, if, especially for, because those who are already further along in their writing endeavors, uh, they, they, I'm, I'm sure that there were some very good uh, points and inputs here that they can pick up throughout the, what we've been talking about on what to avoid, and then they can, they can sort of absorb that on their own. But right now, I'm thinking a bit in wrapping up around those who are just starting out, because uh, there were, uh, is there so, sort of a few common mistakes that, that you could advise to, to say, those who are just starting out, when you're just starting writing, is there like a, a top three thing that maybe somebody could just internalize and, and just focus on those for a start to, to get them yes. going, if you see what I mean? About four things. Four okay. most important things, I think. From a line and style perspective, not from a developmental perspective, because I do not have, you know, you know what they say, they say when you write a book, you think that when you write a book, you learn how to write a book. No, you learn how to write that book. The next book is a totally new book, and you're climbing a totally different mountain. So, so developmentally, I don't have much to say, but style and, and, and that kind of wise. First of all, good Lord, uh, let's start with grammar. If you want to learn grammar, just read Elmer Leonard. I mean, you're not always going to be using his slang, but that man understands dialogue. But um, I would say filtering. Get your senses in, but don't filter, okay? Uh, saw, heard, felt, remembered, noticed, uh, recognized. I might have already said that one. Decided, you know, mm. look for those filters. Every time you're doing that, you're pulling people out, okay? And that leads into the next one, which is show, don't tell. And what that means is don't tell me how somebody, what something was or how, let the reader come to the conclusions by writing what happened, okay? So to some extent, you know, um, show me anxious, show me angry. He grit his teeth. Uh, slam the door, that thought. Slam the door, yeah. And it doesn't have to be that really seriously. Get, yeah, yeah. get uh, uh, the, the emotion thesaurus will really help with this. Because um, I can always think of two or three different things, but the problem is if you're writing the same emotions over the course of a novel, you're gonna write the same three or four different but 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 yeah. So show don't tell. But and what does that mean? That means um, um, don't don't tell me what happened. Show me what happened. Put me in the middle of the action. Uh, I love this, and no, this to me it feels like I have uh, the filtering makes me feel like I have superpowers when I know that. The other thing that makes me feel like I have superpowers is the um, past continuous. If you're writing in the past tense, was something was. Standing, was sitting, was it? Whenever I see that, and I see this in professional writing, I see this in, in traditional publishing, I see this all over the place. And it's not technically wrong. It's just you, I want you to remember that when you have a was and an ing around every verb, your starting and your ending are all the same. They all blend together, and you can give every single one of those verbs so much more bite. And when you put more bite in every single one, more, more juice in every single one of those verbs, you're doing such a better job at getting your, your reader into the text, into the situation, when everything is distinct. It's just, and, and I guess the same thing with neutering the verb. Made a plan, nope. Managed to, nope. <laughs> Don't, found myself, no. <laughs> 
found myself as okay colloquial, like you as like a folksy way of saying things every now and again. So I would say, yeah, um, the big ones are filtering, past continuous, um, and show don't tell. And and I hate that hate even leaving somebody with show don't tell because for the longest time I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, it's a big you hear that show don't tell. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, and what it means is, you know, Mark said angrily is telling. Um, what the fuck was that for? You know, Mark balled his fists, or you know, he slammed his hand down on the thing. What? Why did you do that? You know what I mean? So, sometimes it's just straight up in the dialogue. You don't even need an action. Like if you got an exclamation point there, you know. Uh, a lot of that gets it gets through the context. Um, um, and Estella, don't with fantasy. So many people want to put you on a travelogue. Then we went here. Then we went here. Then we went here. Then we went here. When really, you know, take me on the journey. Put me in these places. You know, put insert me into the story. That's what every reader is reading for. They're reading to be that character in that story. Yeah, they're not, yeah. Reading, they're not reading to read about other people. No, that's they're, true. Reading, they're reading in order to be. Yeah, all, all fiction reading is, is, is a, is a uh, it is building up your empathy muscles. That's why so many people who've read so many books end up wanting to become writers because it's magic. You know, um, forcing yourself into somebody else's eyes and becoming that person. That's what you want. And so getting rid of the filtering helps with that and then showing instead of telling. And what I mean by that really is trying not to, Try not to take the easy way of, of angry can mean so many different things, but you can show it distinctively in a way that is very specific to that character that I then now am taking on for myself as, as a. Indeed. Uh, thanks for, thanks for that. And it is funny because of what you just said, it made me think because um, I'm just, uh, I'm currently writing a, a, an unfiction book on, on how to plot uh, or Autumn and I am writing the book. Uh, and it was oh, funny because she's a hybrid. She only only part plots and part pants, right? She knows yeah. where they're going, but she doesn't tell them how to get there. No, indeed. Uh, and uh, because and it just made me think because uh, when you said the fantasy likes to sort of get into a travel log, uh, because one of the things that uh, I just wrote in in a chapter the other day was basically that uh, all stories are about the character. It, it is not about where they go. It is about the character and it's about the change that they go undergo throughout the novel. That's what the story is about. Yep. Where they go matters less. Um, so, so that's, uh, I think it just made me, what you said just made me think about that. So, but, but I want to thank you a lot, Chet, for, for coming on to M Writing Fantasy and yeah. sharing a lot of uh, editing inputs uh, that I, I hope will be very, very useful for, for those watching and, and listening, whether yeah. you're on YouTube or, or the podcast. Yeah, um, I want to leave you with um, a few, if you want to learn more about story. Um, I, think his name is, I think his name is Brad Bird. He wrote a, a book called The Secret of Story, and, The Secrets of Story. And it really just mind-melting, you know. He uses the word, uh, I'll conquer, he uses that phrase way, 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 way. He did an editor for that. But oh my God, like he'll just introduce you to some things where you're like, I never thought of that, but I know that instinctively about story. You don't know that you know it until somebody really just points it out. They're like, you know, so he's got a lot of the really good, juicy, uh, if you want to learn story stuff. So the things I would plug would be that. I would, every, every writer should have the motion thesaurus if you want to learn how to show and not tell. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put a link to that one in the description field or in the show notes so that uh, for, the, for those of you watching or listening, you, you, you can find it there if you want to yeah. through. And uh, I have a website that runs that is not it's not optimized. So if, it, but I do have a, um, 
I do have a uh, reader fan group uh, on Facebook. It's called Chet Sandberg's Close Readers. Uh, you can find me there. And I will probably put up, uh, I didn't want to, like I said, I was telling you, I didn't want to put up a newsletter to hide something to give away so people see what my writing is like uh, uh, before they looked at it. For editing, you know, um, I typically, um, I usually get most of my jobs through interacting with authors and giving them sample pages. I'll give them a sample chapter. Uh, uh, this is what I would change, this is what I'd fix. A little bit of developmental, a lot of copy, but, I'll, but, but I really focus on the stuff that's a little harder than copy, which is uh, uh, line and style. I, I'll try not to, I try not to strip out anybody's voice. Uh, sometimes people want to insist on, on, on uh, bad habits as being a voice, and it usually isn't. Usually they have something more distinctive in there that's, that's, that they can be fixed with line and style. Mm-hmm. But I hope I hope that I just get people on the right foot with with just those three or four little things, you know. Yeah, that was our purpose here, and uh, and of course, if you email me uh, links to your website and whatnot, then I'll, I'll put it into the show notes as well. Yeah, so, God willing, uh, I have something that functions soon. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully before this comes out, maybe I'll have something that functions. I gotta figure out some way to get a, you know how it is. You gotta get a newsletter thing. I am not good at. I'm not good at anything that requires multiple steps of, of <laughs> you can only do this one way. It's like, well, I'm a line and style editor, not a proofreader. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to look to make sure that every period is in the right place. I want to get you, I want to get you dialogue. That sounds like something a human from earth would say. That's what I want to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, Chet. And uh, thank you for listening or watching out there and uh, we'll see you next Monday.